did it Welcome later. to episode 140-something, and right. I'm here wow. with my beloved friend, Peter Holmes. Peter Benedict Holmes. Ren- <laughs> Pete, is it Benedict's your real name? Yeah. <laughs> I'm Robert Holmes Bell. This is Peter Benedict uh, Holmes. Two letters towards Bell. Right. <laughs> Give or take a few. Um, <laughs> Plus, and Pete like, and I are beloved so friends, and I'm sure you already know Pete. Pete is a world-renowned comic, well. a podcaster of the highest order, and the writer, executive producer, yeah. boss, star <laughs> of the hit hit to see if HBO yeah. show, Crashing. Yes. And he's now in the back house, Which you where came- he's been often. I've been here many times. I've watched your your wonderful daughter yes. climb those. There's silks. no seven year old girl on the silks, other than that. And I was in this garage. What do you call it? A garage? Back house? Back house? It's certainly not a garage, <laughs> but you know what I mean. Yes, we call our back. I'm house assuming a it was a garage in 1940 or something. And somebody I'm sure was it like, was. or yes, some sort of bomb. We need to turn this into back houses for podcasts in the future. I know. I was in this. I've watched Violet climb, and I was with. You say your children's names, right? <laughs> I do, yes. Okay. <laughs> Sometimes I think about you, man, because you're spiritual famous, which gets a, some kooks. <laughs> what is that? Oh. I was just thinking about the different types of fame on the way in, and I was like, Rob, you know, is famous, <laughs> but your fan base certainly could have a fervor to them. You know what I mean? Like, I don't sit around wondering if people are going to look up where I live. On my podcast, I'm like, I'm walking around Los Feliz, and everybody knows. <laughs> But I'm always worried about you, not because of anything you've ever said, done, or acted, you know, done or acted, pretended to do. <laughs> the dict- you see what I'm saying? <laughs> and not to say that your fans are nuts or anything, but I feel like when you talk about matters of the soul, there's more potential for someone to be like, uh, you know, I don't know, who knows? Weird. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But oh. these Robcast people, they're Yeah, wonderful. they're good. They're a good group. Oh, these are good people. All so- that to say, I was also in here with Preston when I was practicing Come As You Are by Nirvana, because I, I was trying to think of something we could jam on and play these drums, and he could do it, but he wasn't he wasn't. Oh, yeah, this is a while ago. Right, right, right. And this little time later, your amazing son, we went and saw him play in Fringe. What, two nights ago or something? Two nights ago. I still can't believe I went. That's one of my flaws, is I have a hard time going. I'm very inspired by our friend group. You guys it are It helps excellent. when I say, I'll come to your house yep. and pick you up and drive you there. It also helps that for some reason I'm just like... Perking up in the evenings. That's not interesting. What is interesting is I saw Preston play, and the kid who could kind of adequately bang out Come As You Are With Me is now I know. blowing me away with stuff. Not only, like, you could give me a guitar in, in two hours, and I wouldn't have been able to play what he was playing. You know what I mean? He, he, was, he was gliding on the, on, yes. the, on the frets, and I was so... And there you are. This is... We're just going to talk about you, man. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> Because you're amazing. You're an amazing person. And you're there and in an event. He's 17? 16. 16? I go by the 2000s. He's 17, 16. <laughs> you're there. You watch. He's not embarrassed by you. You have now done the impossible. You've proven that God exists. A miracle has happened. A teenage boy is not. What? He was like, hey, thanks for coming. You know what I'm saying? I know you don't know it's amazing because you're stuck in your life, but that's amazing. I feel like most people are like, my kid, look, all my friends are comedians, but they're like, I sing to the radio and they hate me. They make me drop me three blocks from school. They don't want to be seen with me. And this isn't like a My Dad's Rob Bell thing. This is like my dad 
sees me, talks to me, relates to oh, me. Oh, yeah, we hang. You hang, like you said on yeah. my podcast. You let him be what he was going to be. Oh, for sure. And then you just sh- – so this isn't even a band that he's in because you were like, you really need a hobby. <laughs> and it shows. That's all. I'm done buttering your bread. I want that on the record. It was, it was so fun. Oh, that's great. <laughs> that's great. I can't wait for the parenting book. Um, a parent, being a parent is managing your anxiety. Deal with your. <laughs> it's like you deal with your stuff, and then the 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 kid thing take it often works itself out. That's amazing. Like, oh, Chris and I actually did. I've this parenting never thing. thought of that ever. Chris and I did this thing. It's on my site, launching rockets. This three hour kid thing, audio book of talking about parenting, and it was all about your kid isn't a bucket that you pour your unresolved anxieties about your own life into. You magic man. <laughs> but once you start thinking about it in that way, yes. like life is hard enough. We all have to work through our stuff anyway. You don't want to give your stuff, your kids, stu- your stuff to work through in addition to their own stuff. The, the like, cliche of the Little League games because the dad wasn't right. good at Little League. Right, right, right. It was, or screaming. You got to do your stuff. Yes. See, and the other thing I want on the record, because I've been guilty of this in the past, and I see it continually happening to you, obviously, through many years of our friendship. I was just thinking, you're so much more than the there's no hell guy. And I know that's not what you're saying. Hell is a great word for it. Let's keep it. <laughs> <laughs> that was trying to sound like when you. you do, are you going to do, when you do your impersonation of me live, Yeah, it's funnier every time. You know, it's partly Val's uh, discovery was the twisting the invisible light bulb. Because you're just trying to... You know, you're giving expression to a point, and it, it feels right to screw in a, a light bulb that no one can but see. But when you slow down with those pauses, yeah. I always have a moment where I'm like, do I sound like that? I know. Because Pete Holmes' impersonation, it could be way over the top, or maybe it's totally accurate. Uh, and, it, and it works. <laughs> At a certain point, the audience's response gauges how offended you are, or like how concerned <laughs> you are. You're like, wow. It's like when I call myself lesbian Val Kilmer, which I have millions of times by now. But when it really kills, you're kind of like, hey, <laughs> yeah. am I so unchiseled? Am I getting closer to the truth or farther? Yes. Oh, okay. The, so, yeah. So, what were we saying? Oh, I wanted to say, you, apparently, I'm you so had sorry. opening remarks. I do have opening. Well, <laughs> because we came to your house, and just like when I do my own podcast, I just thought about you on the way over. Oh, as if you were my guest. So, Wonderful. forgive me. I'm going to let you host. <laughs> just let me say this, please. <laughs> You're just so much more than the there's no hell guy, which is what they call you. It's not what you are. You know what I'm saying? Huh. You're, and you're not even the guy that puts all the weird beads on the necklace, like we were saying, and then goes, look, these two things connect. You really are somebody that, and I just can't say it enough, you embody something that is so much more than words and, and cute in interpretations of things or or relieving our anxiety. Oh, all the people afraid of hell. And in comes Rob going, don't worry, it's going to be fine. And we all go, thanks, Rob, and we buy your book. It's just, what a fucking waste. You know what I mean? Like, you walked by the house and you liked the gate because it said there's no hell or it calmed your fears about hell. And then you kept walking. Go in the house, dum-dum. And it's not just to be titillated intellectually and inspired and you make me want to paddleboard and surf and get in the sun and be kind to my children that aren't born yet, but you understand. I haven't known anybody in my life. You're just, you're, you're the real thing. And I can't, 
And it, and it's not something that I'm going to tell some anecdote about because it's something nonverbal and it's beautiful <laughs> and it's inspiring. Oh, and I'm honored to be on your podcast. Me. That is inspiring to me. <laughs> to no end. <laughs> what else are we going to do? Well, <laughs> I was going to. I was thinking that oh, Pete should come over, and we should do an uh, an episode because I'd love to interview you about your new show. Yeah. But I was like, but I know that we'll just start talking, <laughs> well, and 15 minutes in. I'll be like, oh, that's right. I actually had something planned yeah, let's for do this it. episode. I would love to talk about... Last time I did your podcast, I remember leaving. I was like, I talk too much. I am going to be a guest. <laughs> no, it actually, it is all about you talking, though. Oh, okay. That's my guess. Okay, I actually, actually, when I interview fine. somebody, to me, I want to inter- introduce... Or if my friend... If the Robcast friends have met this person before, it is about them. Like, I want... That, I, I know what you mean, but last I time want, I did your podcast, I preached. I was manic. Like... And I love being manic. It's not I like I loved it. I shouldn't have said those things. I love being manic. I wish I were manic all the time. And I don't even. This is not manic. Oh, I am manic right now. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and but it's good manic. I maybe I shouldn't use a medical term. It just means I got a, I got the right sleep. I wrote this morning. I went on a hike. Yeah, when you're not talking about this, you're not using that word in a. And by the way, I'm going to be in a That's dark, right. deep hole later. It's not like keep away from me later. It's just there's normal and then there's manic. It could just be inspired or alive. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, how we yeah. felt when we were surfing. That's why we'd always get into good talks because you're in the water. I love being in the water. Oh, I love being in the sun. Man. And that's why you, you, you talk that good stuff. Oh, but, man. Okay, so. Yes. Uh, to, so I want to talk about the show, and I want to begin, because I also think it's fascinating how things get made. Because what I've noticed is whatever the thing is we're talking about, at some level, there's creativity, then there's creation. You know, I love to talk about creation as we're making the world. Mm-hmm. And what's endlessly interesting to me is how if you go just a couple layers deep on whatever somebody is doing and making and being in the world, you end up with all these connections. So the accountant and the baker and the TV show maker, <laughs> if you just go a couple <laughs> clicks down, you bump into all the same things. Which is why there. it's so intoxicating when I'm like, Rob, you try and explain an idea that gave you chills. I try and explain yes, a exactly. dick joke that made and that, me those laugh. And those are closer, but I've noticed, what's interesting to me is the farther away right, right, things right, right. look on the surface. So I, I was thinking about watching you make the show, which is now tomorrow night. The finale. The finale of which season you one. we're there. I know. We're going to get to that. Yeah. Um, so HBO, the show crashing, and two of... I remember we were surfing year, I mean, two years ago, two yeah. and a half years ago, three years ago, and you said, I have an idea for a show. Your yeah. talk show was over, and you were like, I'm trying to think about what to do next. And I remember, and I was thinking my audience, I think, would love to follow how something goes from I have an idea to an HBO yeah. show that's now been renewed. Congratulations for a second season. I really appreciate it. Uh, I, like I, that would just be interesting. And it also struck me because between your house and mine are a hundred billboards for yes. TV shows on networks we've never heard of. Yes. But I also thought about, we just live in the center of TV world. But if you, but for many people, the, um, how something gets made, you're yes. not surrounded by TV world. You don't drive by lots and go, oh, that's where they put the spaceship. Yes, that's exactly. That's why studios are so big because that's where the dinosaurs right, are. Right, right. So sometimes if you, you, there are things where you're like, oh yeah, I assume everybody knows how this works, but it's actually very, very interesting. Right. So, so I remember we were, I think we were in the water and you said, I have this idea for a show in which I'm starting out. I'm post-divorce and I'm starting out as a comedian and I sleep on different people's couches. Right. 
Was that the extent? Where did you get the idea? Well, that's, you know, uh, I'm just excited about this answer because I know I have a prediction which part you're going to enjoy. <laughs> just a crazy person. Um, well, it came because I, I, I pitched uh, a sketch show. The talk show was canceled. Then I was like, I'm going to pitch a sketch show. Me and my friend Oren. You've met Oren mm-hmm. Brimmer. And Oren and I were like, we liked doing silly sketches, like the Batman sketches that I, I've done and stuff. I was like, that's so fun. They really are. They're these little small plates, and you get to be a guy for a day, and it's really fun. So we were like, that, that's fun. And okay, how will we be different from Inside Amy Schumer or Key and Peele and all these other ideas that they have? We're like, we'll be the zeitgeist guys. We'll make fun of the movies that are out. We'll make fun. That, and that's still a fine idea. So we go to Comedy Central, and uh, and I, I, I love, there's no, nobody's a heel in the story, by the way. Like, they're all great people, and I was so happy to meet with them. But in the small talk, they mentioned, you know, there's 15 minutes of, like, how are you? And then you get to the pitching. So there's 15 minutes, and in the 15 minutes, uh, Kent, the president of Comedy Central, who, who I love, he's a dear friend, was like, uh, one thing's for sure, we don't need any more f- fucking sketch shows or something. You know, like, he just kind of, like, made a joke. That's and you're sh- getting ready to unleash this pitch yeah. for a compelling sketch show. If we were making a movie, we would have like poster board, like thick foam poster board that has like the Pete Holmes sketch show. And like, we right just behind your chair. Slow. Yes, exactly. That's how we tell it visually. We just show the, the card behind me and uh, we cut out of the scene. But you know, it wasn't that. It was just an idea. It was just a When casual. he said that, what did you... Did we, the meeting... Did you say, oh, well, then we probably should end this meeting now? No, that would be so cool if I was like, well, shit, man. Then we came here to... I'm out of here. And, you know, that is one of the plays. There's nothing to lose. Everybody benefits from honesty. You know, like, mm-hmm. it's, you don't have to mask what you're feeling, even if you might be a little embarrassed. And I could have done that. But instead, I think we just kind of naturally t- turned the meeting, which was set generally into a non-pitch meeting. We were just like, well, we just wanted to touch base and all that sort of stuff, if that makes sense. Because they didn't know, like, well, where was the pitch? Because we didn't tell them necessarily we were going to pitch. But then I get in the car. The reason I mention that is to mention this, is I get in my car, uh, and I'm just, like, frustrated. Like, I'm really, you know, the talk show is so fun. And, and like I said, it puts you in coyote mode. You're lean and mean, and, like, curling up by the fire doesn't make sense. You want... Raw blood. <laughs> so I remember. Like, I remember visiting. The, the, I remember visiting the talk show when you had done. It was a week you were doing nine episodes. Yeah. in one week, and another crowd, studio audience, had come in, and just watching you and this whole thing is like it was like a thousand chords plugged into you. <laughs> yeah, like total coyote mode. And there were a lot giving to me, which was great. It wasn't just draining. It was right. very energizing. But it was a man. But that, it's like astronauts coming home from space don't just go to Target the next day. They stay in a special NASA apartment <laughs> underground. Did you know that? No. To ground them back to the electromagnetic pulse and field of the Earth. They've been outside of it. Right. Put that in your bowl and smoke it. That's insane. <laughs> so when they come back, this is the example we always give is, is the Bono, when he comes home from tour, yeah, he just has just a crash pad. Stay in a hotel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can't go home. Are you crazy? Do you know how much, and I know you can relate, how much effort, uh, my personal effort, is spent by my choice to be a normal person for Valerie? <laughs> You know, like, to, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Like, and that's not to say, like, stop being amazing. Like, we have fun and we're silly and we laugh, but I want to be able to play the piano with her and, like, take a nap and go for a walk. I don't want to just be like, mm, the numbers came in for the series or whatever. <laughs> like, you can't, you, no one wants to live with a coyote. That's why they're outside. Have I ever run my architecture theory of foyers and narthexes? 
through the emotional thing? I we talked about this before. We have, but about I mean, how there are these, the, you, there's the street, which is public space where you're known and seen and all that, and then there is private space, your living room, right. place where you whatever make your breakfast, which is nobody's watching you, private, and that good architecture creates this space, like the front stoop of a house, like mm. that 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 coat room, that is neither fully public space or fully private. It's this. Yes. It's the space that is in between those two because you need that, which is why a trailer, like a mobile home, can be so unnerving. Yeah. Because there's no, it's just you open a door and you're in the people's most private space and there's this thin little wall, then you're in total public space. Right. And that when I began to realize with my work that I would go speak or something and you talk to all these people and you're just jacked up with the juice and then you go home and you're like, peanut butter and sandwiches and the dog needs to be walked and yeah and i would i be when i was studying architecture and realized oh i need to think about like what is the third space huh in between that really public stuff and the private stuff yeah what was it well some people it's the commute the car uh, didn't you we talked on the phone yesterday yeah yeah like, sometimes I, the commute I is what my commute <laughs> it's your work to home is like this place in between that's what richard Roy said on my podcast he goes like a lot of men have uh, dedicated their cars as their holy space. They're holy. They're holy of holies. Huh? <laughs> um, and he's absolutely right. That's why, do you remember one time we were at a party and there was uh, somebody there and they complained about the traffic? And I, I just remember yes. you and I, I having a laugh. Like I was like, oh, they must not be feeling it today. Because yes. for me, my, my connection to everything, which can be felt as creativity or joy or whatever, or spiritual, like a spiritual special feeling, uh, is gauged and tested by visiting family, I often fail, or sitting in my car. And, and like literally the first turn I made out of my house, quiet street, I was also going to say like, that's why we have, you don't like living on a main street. You want to have more private, like a quiet street to another yep. one. So I'm on a quiet street and, and the guy is going right and then he's going to go left and, I, and I'm like, come on. Ah! And then I just was like, what am I? What are you doing, man? Seriously. It's like my bed. I'm like, where are you going? Where are you going? I think that two spiritual teachings, one, where are you going? The Lao Tzu thing, uh, it, it, I'm paraphrasing, it's like a holy man is not intent on arriving. Get that That's strong. in your head. Hit that so it. good. So Hit it hit so it. good. Hit it so, <laughs> hit it so good. <laughs> and uh, I forget what the other one was. What were we talking about? It doesn't matter. Well, we'll come back to it. Okay, so you're... I'm, I'm frustrated. But let's go back to the show. The talk show gets canceled. But here's the part that I thought you were going to like. Yeah. Is I'm in the car, right? And I'm frustrated. And then I go, well, my friend Mike Birbiglia and friends like you are like, what is really the story, right? And I don't want to make it sound like I'm making, you know, Hamlet or something. But I'm like, what is my story? Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes people are like, are you tired of talking about your divorce. And I'm like, yeah, I'm the first one, man. You only hear me every 50th time I talk about it. I'm there every 50 times. So of course I get tired of it. But for better or worse, that's my story. That's what happened to me. And that's, that's my inciting incident. So I'm sitting in the car and I'm like, Mike Birbiglia and people like you are like, what is the, the real juice? What can you tell me better than the next 5,000 comedians? And I can, I'm like, well, I can tell you what it's like to be a kid who was raised evangelical really took to it, thought he was going to be a pastor. And then uh, his wife leaves him for another guy when he's 28. So that was the idea. But what is that idea? This is the part. This is the turn of the screw. That's a screw in the wall. 
And you go, oh, you could hang something on that screw. And you're like, I don't want to hang something. I want it to tighten and hold the wall. I want to do something big with it. And the tightening of the screw was going, well, when I got divorced, I had no money really and, and nowhere to live because, you know, your wife is, you know, doing what she does in your bed. <laughs> so you're like, I'm going to get out of here. And then I had the thought, I was like, well, every episode Pete would stay on the couch of a different comedian because that's, that's metaphorically true. They rescued me. Some of them literally did put me up. And I was like, ah, that's when you, you rotate the diamond a little bit and you go, oh, that's how it catches the light. And now it's a TV show. It's not a movie. It's not a one-man show. It's not a book. It's not a comic book. There's a lot. It's not, a, it's not an album. Mm-hmm. It's a TV show. And then you're like, okay. And then in that moment I go, well, who does? And it, later it dawned on me, why is Judd the right person for it? I instinctually felt that he was. And I was very clear to be like, it's not because he can open doors. That's gross. Is there anything gross? Let's pause. Judd Apatow. Yeah. Writer, director, producer. 40-year-old virgin. Uh, knocked up. Knocked Talladega up. Nights. He's a producer. Bridesmaids. This is 40. Bridesmaids. Girls. Love. Love. Freaks and Geeks. Like, uh, Larry Sanders. That list. The guy. So, Anchorman. Something to do with Anchorman? Anchorman, yeah. Like, yeah. Everything that you love in comedy has one thing in common, and finally, not finally. He has made you laugh in the past decade. In fact. And by you, I mean everybody. He at made some point. me laugh during my real-life divorce when I was watching uh, This Is 40. Nope, sorry, Knocked Up. When I was watching Knocked Up, there's a scene, Paul Rudd, uh, movie Judd. His name is Pete. Weird. Uh, and no, I'm not one of those guys. I'm not like out of my mind that I'm like, uh, but I'm telling you a guy named Pete, me, watched a movie starring a guy named Pete who would later, who represents Judd basically in those movies, who later I would work with. You say, we don't have to be <laughs> stoned to get that that's kind of neat. And I'm sitting there with my wife and Ben Stone, who played Seth Rogen's character, says, and I'm sitting with wife, he goes, why, do you, why are you mad at this guy? This guy's the best. He's the funniest. What could your problem be with this guy? And I, I remember, we talked about it afterwards, my wife and I feeling this sort of like, she was kind of like, why am I, I guess we wouldn't have said the word at the time, unsatisfied with Pete, because I am a conflict-free, silly man. You know what I mean? I don't throw plates. I don't get mad. I'm not an alcoholic. You know? So like, if you don't like me, it's going to be for something far subtler. Which is completely valid, it turns out. <laughs> so anyway, we watched that movie, and he goes and plays fantasy baseball, and she goes, I want to see Spider-Man. And there, that fight meant so much to she and I, and then to be working with Judd, who's just so, entertained so heavily. So you get this idea for a show called Crashing, in which you're starting out post-divorce. Yeah. No money. She's been supporting you, so which we got to get to that in a minute, because those scenes to me are like, oof. And yeah. then... You're like, I need to pitch this to Judd. Because later I would realize, not what is knocked up? It's a man boy. I'm a man boy on the show. I know we have a lot of shows about man boys, but I'm a little bit different. But let's be honest. A guy who needs to grow. We could also just call this a character in a journey. <laughs> yes. But um, knocked up, okay? Guy who's not ready to handle life gets pregnant, and then he's, thrown, he's forced, if you remember that movie, get his shit together, gets a job, he gets yeah. a place. It's, it's how we learn to fill out the suit, as it were. And then, uh, and then 40-Year-Old Virgin. 
Pete's not a virgin, but he was a virgin until he was with his wife. So he's very much like Steve Carell's character in that way. He doesn't smoke. He doesn't drink. He doesn't, you know, cheat around. He, he's only been with one person. So he's got a sweetness. I didn't realize it at the time, but that's when I thought this is right for Judd. It was probably a mix of those two things. Now explain to people how, like, pitching a show to someone like Judd just to get your 10 minutes with him yeah. is like climbing a tall mountain. And when you're in coyote mode and, and you know, like I feel today, it's, it's, it's exciting. You know, there, I do have other days. I don't have depression, but I have other days where I'm like, yeah, I'm not doing that. I cancel things a lot, as you know. Like I, I just, some, sometimes it's a dinner or something. I'm just like, I just can't today. Uh, but that day, <laughs> the sea was friendly that day, my friends, because instead of being daunted, it was just like, I guess the, I, it's like a strong cup of coffee or something yeah, when sure. you're really killing it. You're just kind of like, Get me Judd Apatow. Like it was one of those yeah. moments. You're like, get me Judd Apatow. I remember you said he's, <laughs> I, I have an opportunity to fly to, I could get a book a ticket, go to yeah. New York. Yeah. I have 15 minutes with him at whatever time in the morning. Yeah. It's like 7 a.m. on Remember I was talking about this. Did I run it by you? Oh, absolutely. I've never included that part of the story. I forgot. Oh, I totally remember you being like, I, I should do, you weren't asking. Yeah, but, but I, you were like mulling No, I was probably it. asking, yeah. And I remember you and I. Because let's yeah. be honest, like a hotel uh, I'm, I'm, it's kind of a, you could stay in a cheaper place, but like a, a reasonable hotel in Manhattan is four times what a regular hotel is for. So, uh, those are the considerations. You don't want to, you don't want to be the schmuck that flies to New York. That's also expensive. Uh, puts yourself in a, a hotel and then flies back just to go, he didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> or worse, we didn't talk about it. He was stressed. He was he was overworked. I didn't get to talk to him. And all of Josh Church, who you know, yeah, who I love, um, works very closely with Judd. And we've many times talked about how fortunate it was that I got that Judd. It's not that there's all these multitudes of Juds. There's just different versions of all of us. How receptive are we? How open are we? What kind of mood are we in? Whatever it is. But J Josh and I have been like, he very well could have canceled. Canceled. That's like when you're at that level. Spielberg of comedy, you know what I mean? Like, yes, he something could come up, you know what I mean? But uh, the seas were friendly that day, and I did make the choice to fly in. And I, I always say, when I'm old and just pickled from cognac in a leather chair that no one understands because we're all sitting on like hovering pods, I'm gonna tell my grandchildren <laughs> about how I. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wipe the internet of all these retellings. Oh, they won't care, they won't listen to them. So I'll just be like, you know, I booked a flight. I never met the guy. That's not true. I know. I knew him a little bit. Went in, shook his hand, told him the idea, and he said, "Let's do it, baby." What did he say when you told him the idea? Great question. That's the right question because there is no moment of deal. Right? Are you insane? I like it. I liken it to the New Yorker. You could bring in the perfect cartoon to the New Yorker. I'm trying to think of Pete used to. By, by the way, note to audience: Pete used to do cartoons for the New Yorker. Yes. So. And one of the things I learned at the New Yorker was. You could, here's, here's a perfect cartoon. It's uh, Leo Column who passed away, but was one of my favorites. It's two dogs in business suits, and he says, it's not enough for dogs to win. Cats must also fail. It's a perfect cartoon. It's well drawn, too. You could bring in that perfect cartoon, and they would tell you to hit the bricks because they want to see that you'll do 10 good cartoons every week for months and months. It's Fight Club. It's standing on the porch in Fight Club. And Judd, like any good artist who also can run production says, don't say anything. 
that's that's a very smart move. That's something that I've had to learn time time and time again. Because you get excited. Here's an amateur. I love it. Let's do it. I want to do it. Like that's bad. You don't know. Relax. Like don't jump in bed yet. You know what I mean? Just be like, okay. The first thing he said was, I don't remember any any keywords that he used, but I'm sure he was like, that's interesting. That sounds funny. And then he was like, uh, you should write. A, he was like. It was either 10 or 15 pages, but he was like single space, 10, 15 pages on everything you remember about getting divorced. And he was like, just a purge document. I had never even heard that term. It was just like, just let it all out. A purge yeah. document. And it, I saw it as a challenge. I was like, oh, Judd Apatow thinks I won't tell my secrets to Judd Apatow. And I'm writing, I'll give you an example. I've told this story before. I hope it doesn't make you uncomfortable. But when my wife left me in real life, I was such a baby boy, such a sweet baby boy. Uh, mean, I say that, whatever. And when we were kind of breaking up, and I, I lived with her for a couple of days after we split, and I said to her, she always wanted a dog, and I said, if you guys get a dog, would you maybe name it Pete? That's what I said to my wife. That is one of the most humiliating. I've, I'm over it now. I don't feel anything yeah. as I tell you that story. Oh, but that's... It's, it's vulnerable, right? Oh. It's vulnerable. It's painful. It's adolescent. It's young. It's naive. It's innocent. It's gross. It's grotesque. It's it's misinformed. It's inappropriate. You know what I mean? It's not it's strong. It's like demeaning, but I can't... But, it's but demeaning it's to, to me. Your, yeah, oh, it's yeah. demeaning to me. It's weak. It's like a weak thing to say. We like stories like Breaking Bad, where it's like, you fuck me, I fuck you. You know what I mean? Uh, this is like a you fucked me, and it's like, will you remember me? Oh. It's like the worst thing you can say. Yes. Put that in there. Put in stories about other stuff. I won't. That's not the point. The point is, is I was like, you want to pitch me a slow one? I'll get my big bet. Like, let's do this. Like, if you want to play the game of like, how serious am I? Yeah. Because Lena's nudity is the least revealing thing about girls. Do you understand? Yeah. Like, right. She's out there bleeding on the page. Well, what's interesting to me is for so many people, whatever they're doing, there's somebody who's nailing it in that area. Yes. They're a teacher. There's always a teacher who makes it look effortless. There's a mom. There's the mom who has 14 kids and yet looks great. Right. It seems to have, never seems stressed. Um, but whenever you go into the origin story, you had this idea, you pitched it, you didn't get, that's awesome, Pete. <laughs> For sure, we're going to make some episodes. You right. got, well, then let's do the next step. Right. And then after that, we'll do another next step. It's Miyagi saying, rake, rake yes. up the leaves. It really is. And I always thought that stuff was bullshit. And I always thought my parents saying, uh, those, that pair of shoes will mean more if you, pot, if you buy it, if you work for it and buy it. And I just thought they were wrong until I was about 28 and finally started like taking care of myself. And I was like, it's the, it's the equivalent of that. Yeah. So he wants me to rake his, his yard. And then in the, tr in the process, I'll learn karate a little bit. And uh, it's not even about whether or not he read it. I don't even know if he did. We've I love Purge Document because, well, for lots of reasons, but like even these episodes of this podcast, I whatever I'm going to, to talk about, every single thing the I that's in me about that goes on a in a notebook. Everything like like whatever I'm gonna be talking about in a podcast episode yeah, about yeah. I recently did one on the myth of redemptive violence on third wave. Whatever it is I'm yeah whatever it is, I'll just Yeah. Get um, it all out. And most of the work is kn knowing what to get rid of. 
it's so funny because as you know, I'm writing right now, and Season I don't even. Two? No, no, I was writing the the book idea I have, and um, I'm struck with I'm like, how did people do this longhand or on I typewriters? Because for me, there's even happy accidents. It's like when they used to edit on film. Sometimes they'd put things together because they had to, and then they realize it's a brilliant cut. You're like, we were going to do a dissolve, but then we were just watching it, and bah, when it cuts to the sunrise like that, it, it made us cry. And that's the sort of mistake that happens. Uh, anyway, my point is, when I cut a, a section of, di- of, of writing, of prose, and then the, one, the next one just works, I'm like... Or I move it up one. I'm like, jeez, Louise, this is exciting. So you do the purge document, then you and now you and Judd are talking, and the show gradually. I remember you writing stuff and being like, everything I wrote, we sort of left behind. Well, that's and you know what's funny is that's what we're doing in ways for second the second season, but it doesn't phase me at all anymore. Yeah, I often think about like how you have like brilliant people, and sometimes brilliant people don't understand. And I'm talking about Jed, by the way. Uh, it's, not, it's not clear with me. I could have been talking about myself. Like, what an asshole. <laughs> I mean, Jed, um, sometimes people don't understand. You're like, oh, so- sometimes we get together, and none of this is true, by the way. Sometimes we get together, and we just make sandwiches. And sometimes we get together, and it's, it's just, it just shows up. It's glorious. We should make a tabernacle here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and it, I, I like the way that Judd works. And one of the ways that Judd works is he thinks all writing is good writing. And he thinks even... It's already happened this season that I've written an entire script, just kind of in a fit of inspiration. And then we put it aside. And there's no... And I, just like me telling you the dog story, I don't have any feelings about that. Yes. Because it's just yeah. like, buddy, I mean, we might as well strap some, some dried grass to our heels and do a rain dance. That's what we're doing. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. <laughs> I have this computer right here that I'm recording this podcast on. There are there's at least one. I think there are two books in here. Yeah, they've never been released. I love one of it. them. I stumbled upon the other day and was like, "Oh, that's right. I wrote that book a while ago." That's amazing. With all these stories, I went back through reading. I completely forgot about it, so I don't know what's coming next. Wow. And this was in 2008 or nine. I wrote this one book, and. It's all these weird stories that have happened to me, and just it's and I was reading it, but not knowing what's coming next, like I was reading wow. someone else's thing, but it was just it's like time travel. Steve Martin says he's just, old enough now and not done stand up long enough that he sometimes hears himself on the radio, like the comedy radio, and he doesn't know it's him until the end. Isn't that crazy? Oh, I I would know it in a heartbeat, but that just happened to you with a book. <laughs> See, that's insane, man. Did They're, you? I love that. So. Um, how long into the back and forth did you get? When did you pitch to HBO? Well, if, I might be misremembering a little bit, but this is going to be ninety nine percent. Was HBO the goal? We didn't. I didn't have a goal at that point necessarily. Okay. I mean, obviously. Yeah. Not. I don't mean that to you. No, I just no. mean like yes, in the yeah. way that you're like, when, I am a person currently benefiting from the amazing. What is the watermark of, of HBO? Yeah. I, I watch everything on HBO. You know what I mean? And I don't watch TV. That's, I just watch streaming stuff. I watch a lot of TV, but like, I don't have cable, so I, I watch HBO, though. I got, we got HBO to watch your show. That's so fun. And the stuff on HBO is unbelievable. There's like, oh, that's on here? Yeah. It's unbelievable. Somehow. The Warren Buffett documentary? Like, yes. Just, In just an age random stuff. Of is- who gives a crap, they've managed to be like, 
No, you give a crap. <laughs> That's well said. Check this out over here. And you just kind of trust. And on Sunday night, I, 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 I'm not bragging. I just can't believe the show is on like, Sunday night. Yeah. That's the night you watch HBO. And your show That's is on. That's been a trope and a joke for years. I, I can think there was a movie. It was, I think, I Love You, Man, where they're going, like, Sunday night, HBO. People watch HBO on Sunday night. It's crazy. So I, it wasn't there yet. My goal, and in showbiz, some people go to studios. Writers will write pilots, and they'll go to studios, or they'll go to networks. Okay, It's always been my experience with the talk show. We brought it to Conan. Then we pitched to TBS. So you attach a producer. This might be boring. I can't tell. No, no, no. <laughs> Not to you. I just mean to the people no, no, listening. No, no, it's interesting. I'm almost done. My belief is... You get the talent, which would be myself, meaning the person that's going to be in it, and then you get the producer, and then you shop it to network. So they, it's much easier for them to picture it. Because yes. then you go in and you're like, it's a judge show. Okay, girls. Like girls, like love. Okay. And then you go, and it's a Pete thing. Oh, like Pete. Oh, Pete. Instead of, sometimes writers go in and go, it's called Table for One. It's a guy who owns a restaurant, but he's in love with the woman who runs the bakery. You know what I mean? And and then they have to say, picture a, a Pete Holmes type. They wouldn't, but they'd say, like, picture a, whatever, George Clooney type. And you're like, you're pitching an idea, and you're making the person you're pitching the idea to work so you're hard. You're making them paint their own painting. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're going like, and a lot of people make a lot of money and have far nicer houses than you, or, you and I doing that. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, right. So it does work yeah. from time to time. Our friend, <laughs> uh, Carlton, does that, I'm sure. He... Yeah, he does all kinds. I mean, I mean, he's kind of one of the guys that you... He's like the, the Judd guy that you bring in. Yeah, 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 yeah. But anyway, I'm sure in his career he's done that. Long way to say, uh, we. I was just talking about the psychologies that we're stuck in. I collect fathers, and, and Judd knows this. It's not weird. Everybody knows this. And I, I benefit from a male who I respect deeply, who not by virtue of his personality, virtue of his schedule, is hard to get the attention of, kind of like my father. And and then I'm like, well, I'll show you how good I am at Little League now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, and that's fine. Like, I, I wasn't good. I love my father. I'm not doing this out of, there's nothing negative about this. It's leaning into your dysfunction and saying, okay, here's my comedy, one of my comedy father figure type people, a hero. It might be less uncomfortable to say, here's a hero. I'm going to impress this this hero. So he says, do a purge document. I uh, there's a couple story parts of the story that are a little. How long was the purge document right. you produced? It was like 15 pages or whatever, and I sent it to him within two days for sure. Maybe the next day. Here's another little tidbit. Also, Judd was telling me stand up. He was getting back into stand up at the time, which is very fortuitous because I was pitching him a show about stand up. I mean, that makes a huge difference. The timing of it is the sort of thing you want to think about, but also don't think about because it'll trip you out how lucky you were and how unlucky you could have been. But uh, so anyway, he he was talking about jokes. He loves talking about jokes. I love talking about jokes. We're talking about jokes. He's telling me a story. He's like, do you think that would work? And stand up, and I'm like, yeah, I think that's very funny. And then in the cab the next morning, I'm flying to the airport. I, on my phone, I emailed him because now I, you know, I have his email. I emailed him. Ta- we, we call them tags. It's if you, uh, you know, what a tag is. You tell a joke, and you go uh, beat, beat, laugh. The tag, tag is post first beat laugh. Yeah. You add another line. It's another a way line. of punching something up. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, like. 
he would say, uh, I came out of the bathroom and there was steam everywhere. And I would say, you know, like Bono coming out for an encore. That's not a tag, but that's someone punching it up. That, so anyway, I sent him a document. I could look it up, actually, that has, like, pitches for jokes. And I know it sounds like I'm kind of the teacher's pet in this situation, but it didn't feel like ass-kissing. It felt like me going... And I've never been more right that I'm like... <laughs> Judd, meaning that Judd and I are similar types of people. And mm-hmm. I was like, I think I see him in there. And I think he'll like this. And it could have gone the other way. Believe me, I could. I know some producers that if you emailed them, they'd be like, get the fuck out of here. What are you doing? He wrote back, this is the nicest thing anyone's ever done for me. Of course, he's joking. But it was like, hey, thanks. He never did those jokes. That's not the point. He didn't read the Purge document. He didn't do the jokes. But there's just this little like, you know, like the two sides of East Egg in Great Gatsby. The lights are shining back and forth, except it's not romantic. So <laughs> then he said, write a script. This is the part you might be familiar with. He was like, write a pilot. And then I wrote a pilot uh, in two days. There's a funny there's a funny punchline to how I brag about how quickly I write, by the way. I'll, well, know. I also remember, we'll get to that, I th- but I remember you, I remember at one point you were like, I'm on the 12th draft yeah. of the first episode. And that's how, like, if you're a guy, Paul Rust is the same way in my understanding from what I know. Uh, If you're a guy, I know for a fact Lena is, uh, just from the lore I've heard of Lena. If you're somebody who likes to write, can speed write, enjoys writing, feels that (laughs) frequency coming through you and you got a charge out of it like I know you do, um, you'll do well with Judd. If you can throw a script away, that you were proud well, of. Well, and, and You'll now, do to well. me, <laughs> the number of people I I meet who will come up afterwards or something will be like, I'm just thinking about writing. Yeah. Don't think about writing. Yeah. Please don't think about writing. Just write. Yeah. And just write just crap. Just shovel on awfulness. Yeah. And then write another one. And then write another one. And you cannot ever get precious about your material. Buddy. Like you have you to are... be so liberal with a delete button. If you attach it like it's your little puppy that you're gonna like raise, but the, oh you have to just be so willing to create a whole thing and then get rid of it. Well, where are you going? Right? Yes. Where are you going? Why are you doing it? Rob wrote a book. Rob is an author. <laughs> I'm talking to Rob right now. You wrote a book and it's you have two books on this hard drive and you could sell these books. Rubbish. You know, but, <laughs> right. you, but you could. Yeah, probably. You know, it's interesting when Chris but and I... But you didn't because you're not doing it for money. When Chris and I wrote that book together and people ask her what was it like or what did you learn or what was interesting or, or surprising about the process because we sat side by side for a year and a half. She, the first thing she always says is, oh, that he wasn't precious. That he could uh, like just jettison stuff instantly. Yeah. Like, oh, it's not great? Gone. Gone. It's a... It's, a, it's gone. There's something about it. Like, you it. want a 10-song album? Great. Give me 100 songs. That, and that's Jed. And we might get 10 keepers. That just makes so much, just throws so much stuff against the wall. And maybe one little tiny piece might be worth keeping. So Jed and I were talking recently. This is two days ago, maybe. Yeah. Is it Saturday? This is yesterday. I haven't, I'm, Who knows? I'm lo- we're lost. We're lost. <laughs> Good. Yes, yeah, Saturday. It's Saturday. So this is yesterday. And I said to him, I was like, Jed, it's weird. People love the show. So we've worked very hard on it. And we don't gloat. There's right. been no high, there's been no hit it. This was the first time I said to him, I was like, Hey, have you noticed that people really love the show? Because that's been my experience. And I know I'm the guy in the show. Yes. But it's also on Twitter. It's also the reviews. It's also all these things. And also, it's also just people 
having seen it. Like there's a lot of people going, hey, I saw it. And he's like, I know. Uh, it's so funny. What we did was we focused on what to take away so much that we never really saw what we left. Oh. <laughs> and that's not to say our show is perfect or anything. Neither of us think it's perfect. We're, we're learning as we go, obviously. Every show finds itself. That's fascinating. But he was like, that doesn't work. I know that doesn't work. But then by the, it's not the transitive property, but one As of opposed to what's awesome here, you that's went, right. what doesn't belong? What doesn't work. And eventually in you'll fact, get to. In fact, that's all we did. And it was insane. I know we're jumping forward, but in the edit, I would just be so like, that's garbage. <laughs> like, I can see myself <laughs> acting. I can see myself this. I can see myself that. It's not funny. It's not true. We got, like, this is one of the things that I've been thinking about lately is that, like, I don't want to become an asshole. And I think one of the reasons why people in these positions, uh, these positions <laughs> can become <laughs> assholes is because we're paid to be decisive. So then you go home and it's like, you want noodles? And it's like, I don't want noodles. You know, I don't do that. But there's... You're still, mm -hmm. you have to go in the foyer a little bit. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> You're it, when I enter into this place, there won't be a bunch of people who are on the payroll to make sure that I have noodles at the right time. Mm -hmm. I will be the one well, that's the thing that cooking you, the noodles. Yes, that's so <laughs> funny. Well, you helped me own that thing about like, you know, you need to let them take care of you. That's something Conan said too, is like let yeah. them take care of you. There's yeah, a yeah. big difference between making someone hold an umbrella for you or whatever, which, by the way, happens because you, sure. you don't say bring me an umbrella. It's just something that happens. Um, but there's a big difference between that and being like, I said goose egg omelet. You know what I mean? Like, relax. Like, everyone just wants you fed <laughs> and rested so, so we can make some rain. <laughs> so anyway, well... So, okay, so Jed said, like, he, he never stopped to appreciate it because all we were doing was being critical right, of it. Right, right. That's <laughs> so interesting. If you, it, you make enough, and then you take out the stuff that you for sure know that doesn't belong, What's that? eventually you're working away. It's what you say, the Statue of David. I took away everything that yeah, wasn't Yeah, yeah. Was it Michelangelo's? Like, there was a big chunk. I just took away some stuff. Yes. The statue was in there. David was in there the whole time. So... Um, I love it. The show gets so HBO orders it. You move to New York, right? Well, then we write the scripts, then we pitch to HBO, and as I've proven, I can make that a very long story. <laughs> <laughs> but the point is, that we started writing. We pitched to HBO. We pitched a couple other places, um, and then one day, I think I, it was when I was doing the podcast. I'm positive. I think it was when I was doing the podcast, the 300th episode, I leave to take a phone call, which has never happened. Yeah. It's because it was Judd. He kept calling me to say uh, HBO picked it up. So I didn't know where I was what standing. What was that like? It was amazing. Were you in the sidewalk in front of Meltdown? No, I was in the comic book store standing by like a rack of, of comics. Editor's note, Pete records his podcast. At Meltdown. And that's like little attic the little treehouse upstairs treehouse up in the upstairs of a comic talk about an architecture that Sunset says Lord. shut up leave it down there <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean you can just climb the stairs spots and you can ascend i ascended those stairs recently to be on your podcast right. and there's like a feeling like we're gonna go in a room and talk for a while that's why i always say to people i'm like we can record it wherever you want you're only hurting yourself and you can bring a, you can bring a friend if you want you're only hurting yourself your publicist wants to sit in the room you're only hurting yourself you can do whatever you want <laughs> It's your episode. What was that like when you when they 
It's, you know what Green I light. feel like show business, and I know you know, successes feel like is it, it's in that moment that the pleasure comes both from the success and also the first time that you've allowed yourself to fully realize and fantasize what it would have felt like had it not happened. So you're spending yeah. all this time, you said denial is a drug that you enjoy. I also yeah. work with denial very well. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you kindly. You have to. And one of them is, you know, the show couldn't happen. And you just have to put that out of your head, especially when you're still kind of thinking about it and working on it. Um, so when it happens, you consider, it's this weird like downer of a drug. Drug meaning you want to do it. But you look at it and you go, can you imagine if this hadn't gone and... And, and, and a lot of pilots don't go. And honestly, it, it hurts me for people I don't know when that happens. Yeah. Um, but it felt great. I went back into the podcast and, and wrapped it up. It was we did, I didn't even mention it because uh, I wasn't sure if we could announce it yet. So you can hear in the 300th episode, which Val is on. You oh, can really? hear me come back. I tell them, but we cut it out. But you can tell my mood is elevated the rest of the All episode. All of a sudden, the rest of the episode, you're like way up. It just feels like... I think people do know what it feels like. It's not a cup of coffee, but it's it's in the ballpark of like, you know when the things you love hit you right? Like sometimes you eat a strawberry and it makes you feel fantastic and sometimes yeah. it's just it was just, just a, a strawberry. strawberry. Same strawberry, same quality. It feels like eating a strawberry that you're like, oh my God, this is, it gets you high. Okay, I want to fast forward because I have a question to ask that comes out of this. I do want to give you the punchline, which is whenever I do press with Jed and I mention how quickly I write scripts because I'm trying to be precious and look like a golden boy because, as we mentioned, I need people to look at me and see me. Whenever I go, and then I wrote the script in two days, Jed will be like, he only did it once, but it was so funny. He's my sensei. He goes, how much, how much survived? Oh, which right, is, right, right. It sounds mean, maybe, as I say it, but it couldn't be further from mean the way that comedians joke and all that yeah. stuff. And it's a valid point. How many great lines did Artie riff or Leaf or George riff or Lauren riff? Everybody, TJ, everybody was improvising. Writers were pitching lines. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. thanks for the... It's not an outline, but I mean, like, we're glad that you we had your script for the table read, but it changed 50 times. Okay, good. That's what I want to get to. First, I want to get to you. So you moved to New York, you shoot it, and I remember you telling me there's the crew, everybody's ready. They yell, you know, the action. First day? And you're, I remember you telling me that then you're supposed to act. Yeah. And being like, oh, no one, there yeah. was no like acting. It was just assumed the whole way along. Yeah. That when the camera was turned on, you would know how to act at this level. Yeah. But I remember being like, it was really just like, yeah, Pete, go act. And I believe it was the first or second day <laughs> that we did the heavy, the heavy scene, the breakup scene or whatever. So you're right. No Jet, way. That was the second day. It was either first or second day. It was crazy. We we were burning through. It was nuts. That's the other feeling you get when you're making a TV show is a scene that you've worked on for two years gets done in two hours. And you're like, so talk about not being precious. You're letting, they say kill your darlings as a writer. Well, you kill them 15 times each as, as a EP of a show, as a creator of a show. You kill it as the writer. You're dropping moments. You're slashing things. You kill it as the actor. You kill it as the editor. It's 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 terrible. Oh, it's not terrible. It's just that's why I'm so used to it. That's why I can say I don't want noodles tonight because I'm I'm getting so good at being like garbage. <laughs> okay. Pass. Okay. And this is the question I wanted to ask about that. I when I visited the set 
which is for the finale, which is the finale scene. Yeah. Which I'm going to see tomorrow night, I guess. Yeah. When I visited the set, Judd said, I said, wow, Pete's like acting, acting. And I said, it, the pilot is so, at that point, I guess I'd seen the yeah. pilot. Mm-hmm. I was like, it's so good. And Pete's acting is so good. And Judd said something along the lines of, yeah, Pete, Pete, anybody can act. Ah, that's so funny. He said if Pete can act, anybody can act? No, it was just, he was like, I think a lot, something like a lot more people can act. Or acting, I, acting is you getting out of the way of yourself. He, I would he agree. had a very like, I would agree. A very democratic sort of everybody can act. Well, it's so funny. We've joked when we get, when we get other people to do the show, either me doing the joke or him doing the joke, it doesn't matter. It's like, well, if Pete can do it. You know, that's kind of like one of the jokes. To me, and I'm not a master actor by any means. This is the first thing I've really done that's in this style. But it has, it reminds me of creativity. It, it, it doesn't remind me of acting. It reminds me of the place you have to be in to have the confidence to select all and delete when you're writing. Like when you're getting all misty-eyed. Yeah. How did you learn how to look like you're going to cry? Well, that, that's kind of funny because in between takes, I was watching the first 10 minutes of the movie Up. I really was. <laughs> Isn't no that way. funny? You know because you knew it would make you cry? Oh, that montage scene. I still have them where on the, my where phone. Show his, where they show him, he and his wife getting married and then she dies. And he's the all alone in the house. miscarriage and she dies. So it was the scene where she's <sighs> going up the Oh, that scene guts hill. me too. That opening guts me too. And I've seen it so many times because there's so many takes. And I had to cry several times in the series. So And it always works. I, I can make myself cry thinking about it. Wait, Does wait, that make me an actor now? Because I can just think about it. So you're getting ready to shoot your first TV show or starring role. And I have my phone. And you need to cry. So you're like offset. I'm not even offset. I'm on watching. Set. I turned my back to Lauren of up, and I would I'd pace on I'd pace without moving. <laughs> no if that makes sense, way. just shifting the energy from left to right, left to right. So I'm keeping my blood flowing, and I'm watching on my little phone uh, the opening of up because there's no audio to it. You know what I'm saying? It's yes. silent. There's music, but you there's don't music. need it. And she falls. They're going up the hill, and you see the hill earlier. And then they're going up the hill and they're old now and she falls. And then she, this is the genius of the animators. She starts to get up and I'm going to, I could cry. She starts to get up and then she falls again. That's, that's, the, that's the humanity of these pixels is that they know when, when an old woman falls, she doesn't just fall. It's not Looney Tunes. She falls, she steadies herself. Her pride says, I can make it. And it gets you. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't, whoops, I didn't mean to spill that and I didn't mean to start getting emotional. But th- is that a problem? It touches you. It's no problem. A little I coffee on the tea. floor. It's no tea. big deal. It's tea. No big deal. Are you sure? Yeah. Sorry, my emotions got on your carpet. No. <laughs> it, get, it, it, it gets you every time. So, but then I'm in a scene, I have the benefit of that scene means a lot to me as well. Mm-hmm. So imagine if you and I now discussed my divorce is a little bit. I've ironed it out, so it's not exactly fresh. So that's why something like that would put me... It would open my heart. The other things right. I would watch... There was a Ram Dass thing in the movie uh, Fierce Grace where a woman's boyfriend was murdered, and then she visits... She's a young woman, and then she visits Ram Dass, and she tells him... I'm just going to make myself cry three times because these are the things I do. Mm-hmm. She tells Ram Dass, I don't understand. We were both... You know, they didn't say in the church, but it's basically we're both like spiritual people. We were planning to spend our lives preaching the gospel. You know, they're not Christians, but that version of it. 
And it didn't make sense. Why would this happen to you? So she sees him in a dream and she says, I don't understand. Like, what, what's going on? Where are you? You should be here. And then oh, I'm going to cry. He says to her, he says, you're going to... F- <sighs> mm. He says, you're going to fall in love with somebody else. And I'm oh. going to be a part of that love. Oh. And Ramdas, who's like, I don't know, at the time, 70, just starts weeping. Mm-hmm. No shame. I'm, a, I'm not ashamed. I'm just trying to keep it together. He's not trying to keep it together. So he cries in this way that feels like all of us crying at that. And I just, I would watch that and it would make me cry. So you put that How in How many your, times have you watched that? That one I would keep for the big... <laughs> What's funny is there would keep takes, that on tap for the big ones. <laughs> I do have it on my phone in a folder called acting or something. <laughs> These are my acting files. Oh, I have things that I watch and instantly will cry. Yeah, instantly. But, if, but don't you with those things? Don't you feel like it's not then when I did the scene that I was thinking about up? I was thinking about my wife leaving me, yeah. and not my wife. I was thinking about Lapkas leaving me, but because my heart opened considering up or considering this real life loss. Yeah. And the third one isn't as, I won't cry with this one, is Kate Winslet told her daughter, her daughter, um, Kate Winslet growing up always felt bad about her body because she's curvy and nobody ever made her feel good about it. So now she has a daughter and they, they stand in their underwear and look in the mirror and she says, aren't we lucky to have curves? And I'm just like, that is, mm. there's just three things that make your heart yes. open to the sun. Yes. And then when we do that, one of the reasons, I, I know you know this, one of the reasons we don't is because we can't go around crying every time we see a poor, a poor person without a home or, or whatever it is. It, it's what Ram Dass calls uh, professionally warm. We have to be professionally warm like a hospice worker because you can't have your heart break yeah, every time. I have that. I have, it's like this, I can't do it to survive in the world. That's right. It's like there's this valve, I have to turn it down or shut it off or... I fall apart because I feel it and I feel it so deeply and I can't not feel it and then it just takes over and my heart's broken. And I That's just, right. And next thing oh, you know, you're doing nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Except quietly absorbing. Thank you for sharing those, by the way. Well, you know, I'm, I'm happy to share those more because those are the things that make my heart break more than it's the yeah. acting thing. I think that's probably why you enjoyed it as well. I think one of the reasons why people respond to the show is that right away in the first episode we feel we feel for Pete. It's interesting because when I my thinking about the show is there's this Pete character. I know you Pete, but <laughs> there's another there's a character Pete. I lose I lost you right away on the show. Oh, that's great. And I was so interesting to me that I know you and see you on a regular basis. You know, you pop by, but then you're also on the TV as this character Pete. <laughs> somewhat living out some, versions of those events that actually happened but that pete right like people want like bo the other night was saying pete it, the whole thing centers on the thing pete the places pete oh home. that's bo, bo burnham yeah, yeah that was a very fine compliment yeah he was like pete, I, seriously i know the other comedians are funny like but 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 following you is following the pete character isn't that interesting I, it means a lot and it's hard to uh talk about it because i do have an opinion about that but it's also me but <laughs> You know the book Save the Cat? Have you heard about the book Save the Cat? Yes, but I don't know what it... I don't Save remember. the Cat is very brief. In, in uh, a movie, 
if you want to have the audience like a character, you'll see this all the time, have them save a cat in the beginning. So it, 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 it's a movie about Rob. When they make your documentary, they probably won't... Uh, you know, force one, but they'll probably include something that makes us endeared towards you. The example that the author uses in the book is that Al Pacino is arresting these guys at a sting. He's a cop. And then he finds one guy and he, he's with his son. So he doesn't arrest him that day. And he goes, hey, catch you later. They don't even acknowledge that he's a criminal and that he's a cop. He lets him go. That's the save the cat moment. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, the, the science of... <laughs> science of likability is very interesting to me and something that Artie kept saying was so it's him not me I don't look at my own face this way but he goes there's something about your face that I want to help you <laughs> he would improvise that a lot he was just like I don't know what it is but it's funny because I don't feel like that guy either luckily because I can talk about him write for him look at him it is who I was basically when I was 28 but I'm like, wow. <laughs> we talked about the difference between when you did my podcast four years ago and now. Mm -hmm. How crazy different it is now. Yeah. So even more so 10 years ago. And this takes me to what you were just saying. My other question I wanted to say, when I visited the set, um, you and Artie and George Bates, like every, all the main characters are there for this finale scene, which I won't give away. But then... No, you so then, and Judd was directing that. Yep. The baptism scene. Yep. Judd's directing that, and you do the scene. It's like two minutes. You you do the the script, and then he has a microphone mm -hmm. on a loudspeaker, mm -hmm. and he starts saying, "Say it slower. Look over there. Say this." And he just starts throwing things yeah. out, and yeah. then you do it again, faster, slower, turning around. Say Make, George looks like a dirty Muppet. Yes. Yeah. Make fun of the music. Yeah. Ask him what the, and I, the one I, I Pete, mean, talk I, about, talk about how you want her back. <laughs> like we would emotionally riff too. It wouldn't just be gags. Right. It'd be like, George, I, he didn't say this, but it'd be like, George, I don't believe you. Fight for her. Like stuff like that. Yes, exactly. So, I mean, I, the one scene, I mean, I saw one that was like a three minute scene, but I think that they yelled cut like 15 minutes later yeah so i know for many people you watch a tv show tv show they're like there must be a script everybody does their lines maybe then you do it with from a different angle then you move on but this was like the lines were done and then there was all this stuff that just happened tons and tons of stuff that and just it was happened. really funny yeah and it got funnier yeah well i think i'm pretty sure judd starts with close-ups which is not normal close-ups are what's called ugh, forgive me but it's called your coverage so a lot of times in the first take of something, someone will be improvising and another actor will say, save it for your coverage. Or a director will say, save it for your coverage. Because we're not going to use that great line of yours in the wide, which is typically what you shoot first. But Judd, uh, I think, I'm not positive, but maybe once or twice, maybe all the time, I don't know. He starts on the close because we would riff, would riff, and then would do it in the wide at the end. And the wide would be kind of the bare bones, kind of skeleton of what the scene is. So you get everybody while they're fresh. It's like the same reason why I record and write in the morning. <laughs> like, yeah. I so the first, first time... Don't let us get used to each other. Don't let us like... Don't let the adrenaline of being on set and doing the scene for the first time dissipate. Because you'll start to relax. Yes. And, oh, I know how this goes. As opposed to everybody's like, what is this scene? Where does it go? How, let me what's he going to say? How am I going to respond? And I'll, you want to capture all that. And then it's a game of like, I'm going to impress. Like it's not... 
when Letterman, when someone was like, Letterman, what do you do for a living? He was like, I show off. That's what he said he shows off. It was on Charlie Rose. Showing off. I show off. Let us show off. Performers, better or worse, let's lean into the psychology. They like to show off. Let them be funny with each other. Even if we ruin takes and laugh and go too far and say things that on film I had to be like, I'm so sorry, I didn't mean that. <laughs> like make some horrible tragedy joke or something. And it's just like, I'm trying everything I can, guys. You know what I mean? <laughs> But you, you were there that day. I thought, I thought it was kind of serendipitous that you were there that day. Uh, I don't mind. It'll have aired by now. So it's, it's a, a mild spoiler that people are getting baptized in the finale. And I'm not saying this to pander. I'm saying this uh, or because it's like the Rob cast. And I, I would say this. You understand. Yes. It's, it's a, cro- a cross-shaped baptismal. It's a crucible. It's a crucible. <laughs> Which is, a, which is a real which thing. Which is a term I learned on the set. It's certainly not common, but it does exist. When we, I showed up, there was a guy holding an umbrella. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. there's a giant pool made for this scene in the shape of a cross. There's yeah. 200 extras. Yeah. It's on the cliff overlooking the ocean. It was in a place that if we tried to rent it for our wedding, it would be like, that's our whole budget. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you'd be screwed. <laughs> but what I think is... We're talking about likability, right? Okay, so I have a face that you like, and, and I'm certainly sweet, and I, I certainly, there's a, there's a feeling, the character that you want to protect him, and I really like all that stuff. It wasn't done by design, but it's effective when I watch the show. I get excited that he gets a little win. But then there's also something going on where everyone, and this is a big Bobby B point, everyone <laughs> wants to come home. That's me, by the way. Yeah, that's you. <laughs> so good. Everybody wants to come home. Right, so it's not just about which faith you are and all this stuff, uh, or or which rituals you do. Everybody shares a longing, the hum that you talk about. So I like that on this show that I'll be the first to tell you that it's dirty and there's whatever swears and sex or whatever you want to say. It ends in this way that it's three people trying to get inside, not just a cross, but to me the cross is the symbol of like she says, "I want to come home. Let me come home." And then Leaf comes in the crucible. He's like, I want to go with you. Then Pete goes in and he's like, I want to go with you. Everybody's rushing to the water. You know what I mean? I, usually, I, might, I might have interpreted that when I was younger as being like, they all need to be washed clean. They need to get rid of their sins. You know what I mean? They're dirty. Get well, it off. Yeah. Now I'm like, they want water because water is good. You know, the, you know the, uh, there, some talk about the, there are three major stories in the Bible. Tell and me. they're all like uh, strands that are woven together. One of the stories is forgiveness, the removal of sin, the cleansing, the forgiveness. Mm. One is, the second dominant story is liberation, freedom from whatever you're enslaved to. Mm. And the third is exile, the return home. Hmm. And you'll notice like you think about Jesus stories, they're, they're moving in among these three big ideas. Yeah, they're all three. Yeah, the sense Why? of cleansing and forgiveness and reconciliation, the sense of liberation and freedom. But the third one, which I think is really interesting, is like we don't live in a blood guilt culture. Like none of our friends this morning went down to the local temple and offered a goat. Right. right. So that's not, those were dominant images 2,000 years ago. We don't live in a culture that primarily thinks of things that way. But you talk to modern, sophisticated people about, do you ever feel like you're far from home? Mm. And not in a geographic sense. Yeah. And you, I, that's it. Yeah. The and return that's, home. It's, it's one of those, 
and again, I'm not pandering. It's one of those unexpected grace things. The show is unexpected grace. Absolutely. The show is literally about feeding somebody in need and housing somebody in need. Yes. And then he, Janet Leahy, this producer for Mad Men, who is is so wonderful. She did my podcast. She watched the show. She was like, Pete is the one who needs help, and he helps people. So there's something else going on. And I'm not saying it's touched by an angel, but why is he saving Artie from getting mugged in the pilot? He's he's hungry. He just slept on the train. Like he just saw his wife getting sexed with again. Yes. You know what I'm saying? And he summons the courage to save Artie. That's not some cheap. Uh, oh, what a good guy I am! It's just like this guy is hardwired to try and right. help his friends, even more so than maybe I am. You know what I mean? We heightened it for the show. right before you filmed the crucible scene. Yeah, Judd said to me, "I'm really excited about doing this show because I really, really." love doing a show about spirituality yeah isn't that fun you go to <laughs> jed's house and his office in his house his office is in his office stacks and stacks all the books that i read here's me going into jed's office i have that book that's my impression it, he's he loves it and and gary shandling loved it and they were very mm-hmm. close and gary and i you know we only spoke really once but we recorded it which i'm so grateful for obviously because he passed um we we're, we're those kind of weirdos. We're those comedians that are like yeah. My favorite Gary, Gary Shanley story ever is his near death experience. Yes, and he dies, and a voice says, "Do you want to keep being Gary Shanley?" Yeah, and he says, "Yes." Yeah, isn't that fun? <sighs> that that for years I had that on my wall. That that quote of his. Do you want to keep being Gary Shanley? Yeah, and I would say to myself, "Do you want to keep being Rob Bell?" Yeah, yeah, I do. That yeah. guy really inspired me. I mean, that's what it is. That's the feeling of... Is it, how often when we say despair, you're in bed all day, right? Because like, you don't feel like you don't want to keep yeah. being Pete Holmes. Uh, and it's a wonderful thing to... You, you taught me something which I use every day now, which is walk away when it's hot, which I love. <laughs> I drop it while it's hot. Yeah. That's you're, the whole idea when you're like writing or working is you have one more thing sentence to type, you, you don't, and you walk away. Then yeah. the next morning when you sit back down, you pick yeah. back up where you left off. I'm, I'm already going. <laughs> yes. I just wrote, period. <laughs> <laughs> um, I forget where we are. So, so um, now the arc. Mm. Oh, going for, So do you have a sense week. for season two? Let's wrap it up with this. Do you have a sense for where you want to go? And are you obviously in... Dream World, uh, a season three, a season four. Like, where wow. do you want, where does it go? How much is in your head right now that we might see in four years or something? Four years, I mean, that might start getting thin, and that's not because I don't think about the show yeah, constantly. No, it's, just, it's because... Yeah, right, right, right. But your question is valid. I mean, it's both. It's both and. It's you hold it very loosely, and you also have this other part of you that's like, maybe it could be this and this and this and this. You're just not Do you know how? Do you this. know how season two ends? Oh, yeah, Because sure. Carlton sometimes, like I would say to Carlton, do you know how season three ends? He's like, oh, yeah, I know the exact scene. Yeah. And we're like reverse. So the whole thing is right. how do we get to that? Matt Weiner knew the last shot of Mad Men, which is eight seasons, I believe. Seven? He knew it early on. He knew it like season three. He knew five crazy? seasons from now it'll end yeah. like that. So I don't have uh, it mapped out that hard, but I do have... Uh, I do have it mapped out in certain ways. But the thing is, is like, it really is, we're not a blood guilt 
culture, but like I do feel like I bring not sacrifices, but the sacrifice of my time to Jed. And I go, when I sat alone and stared at the ceiling, I thought maybe Pete would do this. And then I have to be, and I'm grateful that I'm working with somebody who I really respect that I can just be like, got it. You know, like I just drop things very quickly. Right. But, and, and with good reason and with good success. But anyway, uh, I do, I like to think that the second season, the first season is Pete in denial. He's trying to get back with his wife. He's trying to, he's trying to say no. You know what I mean? Who said no? Moses. Moses sure. said no. Yeah. A lot of them said no. A lot of them, a lot of them said no. Jesus said, hey, can I say no? <laughs> right? Before the Gethsemane, right? I really don't want to drink this. <laughs> do I have to do this? <laughs> yeah. Nobody wants to go. Some other way? Yeah, nobody Yeah, yeah. Nobody wants to go. Okay, so, so even and I like laughing about season that, one denial. Yeah. Season one denial, season two acceptance. And then I would really like to play. Oh boy. I'm not gonna get started on this, but one of my favorite things, speaking of Moses, is Richard Rohr talking about breaking the first commandment. You gotta break the first tablets. And then you come back with the new one. And that's when you yep. see the face of God. And Moses gets two tablets. So if I have my way, mm. and I'm happy to say say it, uh you mean like it's not a spoiler. I would like to in my life and in my book and in the show and in everything I do. I would like to shine a light on the beauty of losing your faith and the the feeling of having something being broken yes. and changed and shattered and uncomfortable and cold and lonely and that suffering that you go through where you where you miss it. I remember that Largo we did where I was like, I miss that, Jesus. And I really got very in that thought that it wasn't easy to go... I'm going to get all up in that. And I don't even mean just intellectually. I mean like really yeah. wrestling with it. And I don't think I've seen too many shows about what it's like to start as a stand-up comedian. And I know I haven't seen too many shows about how God is waiting. In my, he's, he's not waiting anywhere. He's right there. But he's right there when you're like, you don't exist. And he's like, right? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. It's like absolutely. I ha- well, I turned. I didn't turn you on to Alan Watts. I did give you some Alan Watts, and I, it meant so much to me that you liked it. Love Alan. Watts. And he has that thing where he says, "If there was one thing that became many, I'm almost done. <laughs> it's not a lot. Yeah. Story. There's one thing that became many. We're basically playing hide and seek with ourselves, right? There's the one that it has to break into the many, but then the many eventually has to merge back into the one. Right. And that's the game. <sighs> that's the. But game. then he goes. So the more that one of the pieces. It's like, it, it, then it's just drama. It's just pretend, right? It's more all the one, one pieces thing. is like, it's not one. I'm one of the That's pieces. Right. I'm on my own. And You're like, yeah, fine. More... Yeah, go do your thing there and then come back to the one. Exactly. We'll just wait. He we got all says time. the harder you forget that you're the one, the more the artistry, the greater the expertise Absolutely. of the illusion. Absolutely. That's, we could have just stayed one. That's his other point. He goes, how many millions of years would have entertained you to just feel ecstasy. Go ahead. Go ahead. He, what, he makes it better. He Rob Bells it. He makes it real. He goes, imagine every night you go to bed and it feels like 10 years and you can do anything in that 10 years. How many nights would you go to bed and just sex and what's, what's heroin times a million feel like? Just that. And he goes, how many months of that before you make a button that says something unexpected happens? <laughs> 
how long before with all your power you make a button that goes I'm not saying God's out of control that's such a fucking I'm sorry I'm mad at myself now that's not the question not the question uh, you know what I mean it that's used to be the question yeah. can God make a rock so heavy buddy wrong go back to youth group exactly or- <laughs> you're in the way yeah. you're in the way you make a button that says something happens maybe it's something wrong you don't know yes the doorbell rings and who is it and I think that's the game we're playing here. And I think when I lost my faith, uh, it was so essential now. It's not, you know, I, I, I'm right. You know, a- we picked that up on the show. I, uh, I should interrupt. Oh, really? We picked that up on the show. Wow. If Pete's going to survive this thing, that he's, he's going to have to develop some new tools. That's it. And some new awareness. So not just lose your faith because it's fun to get drunk and get laid. You no, know, this is not, yeah, it's right. It's like, why do people do things? They do what they have to do. This is the difference between rebellion and evolution. <laughs> That's right. Him rebelling, okay, fine, whatever. But no, he, he, Pete's going to have to grow up in some significant ways. Right. And there's some things that he's clinging to that aren't helping him. Even if it's just... That he thinks are the holy center that he's going to have to let go of. Right. Can and, you be comfortable working in a club? And then he's going to have to find a new thing on the other side. That's it. Oh, so I want to I want to tell that story as met as many times and as often as possible. Oh, what I was going to say was youth leaders, you know, used to come and speak at our youth group, and I remember that this is something I'm going to put in the book, so it's a little spoiler, <laughs> a little preview, something you didn't <laughs> even know existed. Um, they'd always come in to tell their their testimonies. Another word I'm not crazy about, as if it's done. And now I'm home. Really. Like not my, sorted. Now I'm sorted. It's like Maya Angelou, when, when people say I'm a Christian, she says, already? I love that. <laughs> you know those people? Yes. Just yes. And the ones in the that you and I end. love the most, it's only a few words. That's right. Like her, already. Already? I'd be like, well, you know, there's lots of words. Uh, well, I would just grind it. She would just. But Rob, you know what else we love about it? It's kind of mean and funny. <laughs> yes. It's like, there's always an element it's of. It's comedy. Yeah. It's, it's twisted. Absolutely. Not twisted in the way that we normally say, but there's like a twist to it. There's a, a little turn. There's a little turn and there's a little twinge and there's a feeling. And, mm-hmm. it, and we don't normally feel things unless someone's saying something that's kind of like, what did you just fucking say? Well, I've heard, you know, yeah, right. Uh, people say, you know, what are your, uh, over the years, like some, you know, very religious person will say to me, like, what's your favorite Bible verse? Or what are your favorite words of Jesus? And yeah. I will immediately think of like, like Jesus turns to his disciples, are you so dull? Oh, that's funny. That's like, right. Are, are you seriously? Wrong. Are you this slow? Wrong question. Who am I working with here? Buddy. Come on, people. So these guys would come in and they'd tell stories, oh, right, their yeah. testimonies. They'd go, I can't believe I remembered, because uh, that was so good we could have closed. <laughs> they would say, I grew up and I had a troubled home. And then I went to college, I dropped out. Then I was in a biker gang. And all I did was ride on the open road with a different girl in my leather vest. And I'd try new amazing drugs and would pull over whenever we wanted and would get loaded. It was the saddest time of my life. And we'd all be in the back salivating, <laughs> pleading, why? Why did I? am I cursed with finding Christ before I could have had some fun? You know what I mean? And that's wrong, but it's also exactly right. You're saying, why are you saying, I'm not just in the village, I've already returned to the village. You have to leave the village. 
Yeah. You have to leave the village. I'm not saying you have to do the biker gang example, but you got to see what you're made of. And it's, it's not because God's testing you. It's because you're a little piece of that, figuring it out for yourself. Right. Not so he can give you a gold star and this is me talking. I'm not going to get some award for saying this. I'm saying that you're hearing a thing on that journey. And I'm saying, I wanted to stay in the village, but the, the, the life and the juice is leaving and yeah. getting sometimes dying and sometimes whatever it is. Right? It's so true. That's neat. That's so good. It's the juice. Bobby. You're my juice, man. Oh, I love you so much. <laughs> I love you, man. This is the best. Thank How you. How did for... we find each other? This is the best. Meaning, like, it still trips me out that I just came over and I know where you live and we do your podcast and your dog was fine with me. You know what I mean? Like, it's still one of the great privileges of my life that me I know too. you and that we get to be friends. Me too. And just watching you make this thing. It's been fun. And it's just, uh, what we're just... <laughs> What a gift. So thank you. Thanks, Rob. Crashing HBO. Yeah. Sometimes people ask if watching it on Go or Now helps the ratings. It absolutely does. So feel free to binge, even if you've already seen it. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Grace and peace, my friends.